welcome to the RLSS UK podcast channel. Uh, this is episode number 14 and uh, I'm very delighted to welcome today's guest, Andy Salmon. So Andy Salmon is Chief Exec of British Triathlon. Hi Andy, how are you doing? All right, I'm very well, thank you. Yeah, thanks for inviting me along. Great, thank you for joining us. Really looking, <coughs> excuse me, I've got a bit of a frog in my throat at the moment. Um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to our chat. Um, just to gently break you into the conversation, just tell me a little bit about yourself and your journey to becoming the chief exec. Sure. Well, in 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 fairly concise terms, um, I'm incredibly lucky. I have never actually worked outside of sport. Um, I, I did a sports degree at, at what was Trent Polytechnic in those days, now Nottingham Trent University. Um, and I've, as I say, I worked in sport ever since. Golf, golf was my thing. I was a reasonable golfer um and and wasn't good enough to make it on tour so i, I worked in golf in in various guises i've refereed at Ryder cups and open championships and the like but then about about 10 years ago classic sort of midlife crisis i was asked to do a a, a relay a running leg of a, a triathlon relay team um at aberfeldy in, in scotland and i did my running leg and it, it sounds a bit um sort of twee but i was so inspired by watching all these people actually swim and then bike and then run i said to my wife I, I need i need to be part of this and i went out and bought a bike and i learned to swim because i couldn't swim a, a length of front crawl at the time learned to swim i did that event uh, which was a, a middle distance or a half ironman distance the following year and uh, got into the sport and then an opportunity came along to be the, the volunteer chair of triathlon scotland so i stuck my hand up for that and for some reason they they asked me to go and be the chair got more involved in the organisational side of the sport. And then when this opportunity came up about three and a half years ago, I thought, you know, I'd be, I'd be mad not to pursue it. And uh, I've been ex extremely fortunate. The board saw something in me and offered me the job. And, and here I am, and I'm absolutely loving every minute of it, despite the obvious challenges that, that circumstances have put in our way. Right, yeah, we're, and we're, we're, we'll definitely cover those off in a minute. And a couple of questions that came out came straight to my head is, uh, what does reasonable golfer look like? Are you, what, scratch or...? No, no I hardly play nowadays. I'm, I'm, I'm a recovering golfer. Um, I, I was, I think I was, the lowest I got to was one when I was in school. I played Wales boys and school boys. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think it's a bit like riding a bike. I can still, I can still hit it. But, uh, yeah, I'd probably be about a five or a six now, I reckon. Andy, how knackered were you after your last, uh, after your first triathlon? Uh, completely and utterly. I can remember that evening sitting very comfortably with a beer and several burgers and having a just a real sense of satisfaction, though. You know, actually achieving something that I really wasn't sure that I could achieve. And I, I remember that the afternoon of the event, um, lots of friends had said to me, "Oh, you know, what, what's your what's your target?" That's what people do, isn't it? And I didn't really know if I could finish. I said, oh, well, I'd, I'd be really happy with six hours. And I remember after the finish line, my, my daughter, who was about seven years old at the time, came up to me and said, oh, yeah, Dad, look, there's a, you can get a little printout here of, of your finish time. I said, oh, God, go on then, go and get it. And I actually smashed my target. I did five hours, 59 minutes and 57 seconds. So I've had three seconds to spare. So, uh, yeah, it's a good feeling. <laughs> so that went well. And I guess anybody that's now listening who's, who works for you as a dietitian is now holding their head in, 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 in shame that you've, your post-recovery was beers and burgers. But it's not advisable, but it sounds like a great, great way to recover to me. <laughs> that was, it was. Um, 
And the other thing I wanted to ask you, because you, you you mentioned a minute ago about being in Wales, uh, playing golf for Wales. Then you said that you were with Triathlon Scotland and now obviously with British Tri based in the Midlands in Loughborough. So w- w- where are you now? Why, you travelled around a bit? Yeah, yeah. Very nomadic lifestyle, I guess. Um, I, I, I live in Scotland. Uh, we've lived here since uh, about 2000. Uh, so my, my kids are born and bred up here in Scotland, but I, I commute like so many people now. I commute, well, at least I did do before COVID. Uh, I'd spend my weeks um, based in Loughborough, but traveling really all over the country. And then most weekends back up here in, in, in Scotland. So yeah, I guess the challenges of COVID have had one silver lining in that I've managed to spend a bit more time with the family uh, whilst working from home. When was the last time you were down in Loughborough? Um, good question. We I was down a couple of times um, in the in the autumn, uh, you know, when before before the latest sort of peak and and, and lockdowns. Uh, but yeah, been it's been quite a while, and and you know, clearly the prospects of of getting back into the office anytime soon are, are pretty remote. You know, it could be it could be late June before, as we all know, before we get anything like back to back to normal. Okay, um, maybe we can pick up in a minute. It's been to try and lead a team uh, through through teams. And remotely, but what I wanted to reflect on, um, we, we, we talked about a little bit of a minute ago, was March 2020. Uh, we're all sat at the beginning of March thinking, you know, there was a rumour that this pandemic was going to come, but potentially it wasn't going to be quite as serious as maybe we, we, we thought. And uh, if we went into lockdown, it was going to be relatively short term. Just just cast your mind back, Andy, to, to March middle towards the end of March. What was it like for, for you and British Try then? Yeah, I remember the moment, I guess it was about 20 past five, I forget what day of the week it was, when Boris was on the TV and he and he put us into lockdown. And there must have been about 20 of us in the office, standing up, looking at this television screen, and then just looking at each other. Uh, and, and for once, I was I was lost for words, really. Uh, not really sure quite, quite what to say. Um, so yeah, that that's and I'm sure everybody has, you know, it's like 9/11, isn't it? Or for the older people listening, you know, where were you when JFK was shot, sort of thing. Everyone remembers those moments. But then after that, my thoughts very quickly turned to thinking about, okay, how do we, how do we provide clarity in amongst all this craziness? And yeah, you know, I'm really lucky. I've got a fantastic team around me, and what we did very quickly was establish three key principles. And we said, you know, we really don't know what's going to happen. But if we stick to some principles, then, you know, we should be OK. And, and very simply, they were number one, first and foremost, to take great care of our people. And that wasn't just about staff. It was about staff, but it was about volunteers. It was about athletes, participants, event organisers, coaches, you know, the whole community involved in our sports. The second thing was to try and provide great leadership through really effective communication. Uh, and we've seen, haven't we, over the last year, just how corrosive and misleading poor communication can be and then thirdly and this was the bit that's really quite ambitious perhaps obvious to some but was to deliver our strategy to the best of our ability despite the conditions and I'm, and I'm really pleased to say that those you know those principles are, are 12 months old now and they've stood us in really good stead and they've, they've steered us through some difficult times. And it, it, that's really interesting because we actually launched our strategy during lockdown. And, and one of the things I've been asking people is, is have you changed your strategy? Or haven't? So what, 
what were the key principles within that that you thought actually regardless of the current pandemic and lockdown this is still totally on point and still totally relevant yeah i guess fundamentally we faced a choice as did many organizations perhaps we were luckier than some that we had a choice but that choice was do we start cutting back you know do we make staff redundant do we cut programs in order to protect cash and protect our reserve our financial reserve position or do we take a much more aggressive bolder approach and say no we're going to carry on working really hard whilst we're in lockdown so that when we emerge from lockdown we've got support mechanisms programs to to literally hit the ground running when when lockdown is lifted so we we took the latter approach i do consider us to be very fortunate as a sport that is certainly in the summertime can be um, done outside com, you know completely outside clearly in the winter time not everybody has the appetite for open water swimming um but we are fortunate in that regard and i, I really sympathize with with indoor sports who, who who faced you know much more difficult circumstances so um yeah we that that's that's the the mindset that we tried to to follow um and I, you know i'm pleased to say that's what we've maintained and we've got some really exciting projects just coming now to to um maturity if you like as a as a as a prospect to to take to market and you know i hope our audiences will be really excited about what they see over the next few weeks and months um so that we can really um help people to um stay fit and active um and and look after their physical and mental well-being uh, and see our see our sport grow because you know we're, we're so excited about the the prospects for the growth of swim bike and run so in terms of your strategy, and, and for those people who are listening, they can go and find it, I guess, uh, through your website. But just give us an overview of what the principles are of what you're trying to do at British Try. Sure, sure. Well, I guess the most important part is, is the vision. And that is very simply great experiences through Swim, Bike, Run. You know, we, we believe that if, if anybody and everybody touching our sport has a great experience, then you could almost say the rest takes care of itself. You know, that's fundamentally the, the, the vision of the future we want to create. We talk about swim, bike, run more now than we talk about triathlon because we are also the governing body for multi-sport. So, for example, um, you see events that are just, just consist of running and cycling or just swimming and cycling. You know, it's not always about putting all three together. So it's about multi-sport. It's about swim, bike and run. And it's about recognizing that there's a fantastic connection between our sport and a healthy and active lifestyle and the environment. You know, and some of the work that we've done together, uh, our organizations over the past five years around open water swimming, I think speaks very clearly to this agenda of recognizing the, the sheer joy and exhilaration of swimming in open water, whether that's a river, a lake, or, or the sea, doing so really safely. You know, it's a fundamental, isn't it, to our our, our work together um, and, and being in touch with the environment, which I, I think was always something that, that I felt very strongly about was a real opportunity for us. But I think COVID has just shone a spotlight on that opportunity. And I think you know, we've, we've seen it's not been consistent across society, but we have seen um, growth in, in cycling and running. And we're definitely seeing a growth in open water swimming, even during the cold recent months when we've had uh, you know ice on the surface of the water so yeah back to your question about strategy all about great experiences and then it's all it's also about winning together you know recognizing that 
we as an organization can only succeed if event organizers succeed, if clubs succeed, if coaches succeed, um, and of course our athletes su succeed. Um, so yeah, that's fundamentally what our strategy is. We try to keep it really, really simple, uh, based around that that very clear vision, and and also based around some really strong, clear sense of, of values as well. Yeah, I've talked already about principles, but we believe very much in values-led leadership. Cool, and, and and I'll come on to that in a minute. So it it it, it sounds like it's very much a, a, an increasing and in generating participation within within the sport, but also the elements of the sport as well. And um, does does the elite pathway for you is that becoming part of the draw? So using elite individuals to get more grassroots people and, and, and inspiring the next generation to to just start and, and give it a go? Yeah, this, this has been debated, hasn't it? And always probably will be for the rest of time about the link between success on the elite stage um, and you know grassroots participation and engagement in the sport. I, I, I believe that link is, is clear. Um, I think it's clear in lots of ways. And, and our, our current performance strategy for what it's worth we talk very much about developing people achieving success but for the reason of growing the sport so it's not about necessarily the number of medals or or, or the world ranking as 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 the end in itself the end in itself actually is the, the ultimate purpose is to grow our sport so we're very clear right across our organization, the performance team, the development team, that, that there's that inextricable link. Um, and I think there's another really important message that I feel really passionately about, and that's about paratriathlon. Um, we, you know, paratriathlon appeared at the Paralympic Games for the first time in Rio in 2016. Would have done, of course, again in, in Tokyo last year and will, we, we all hope, again in, in Tokyo this year. And we've got you know, the most incredible bunch of, of athletes, elite athletes, and, and it frustrates me sometimes when they're not referred to as elite athletes, but they, they are absolutely elite athletes. They are at the top of their game. And I think their, their success in, in Tokyo, you know, we all hope that they're able to go and achieve, um, will have a huge impact on, on participation and on people's um, perspective of triathlon and, and the ability for triathlon to be inclusive and to be for everybody. And there's, there's some lovely stories as well around, you know, Chris, uh, I think you pronounce it, Dijek, who, a uh, gentleman with Down syndrome, who did a the first person with Down syndrome to do an Ironman um, in Florida last year. Just a wonderful, wonderful story. Another athlete in this country, Sam Holness, who, as as, as he says himself, is a triathlete who happens to be autistic and happens to be black. You know, just fantastic role models to to really inspire people in the way that I somewhat cheesily described my inspiration 10 years ago when I saw these people doing this, this swim, bike, run thing. Didn't for one second think I could do it myself, but I did because those people inspired me. So, yeah, the ability for, for athletes to inspire others is unquestionable, I think. That's, that's really fascinating as well because I think it echoes a lot of the work that we're trying to do in terms of building a base of participation through clubs and and through life-saving sport and trying to get people on that journey because ultimately the more people you have at that level 
the bigger the pyramid is at the top and the more people you have that ultimately drive an elite program as well so i think we're certainly aligned in terms of what we're what we're both trying to do obviously you've got an elite program we currently don't although there's lots of talk about life-saving becoming a sport within the olympics so that may come but i think it's definitely how do we engage with as many people across the whole of the uk and ireland for us uh, and, and just get them active and get them involved in what we do because it is fantastic i just want to pick up uh, therefore and, and we'll talk a, a little bit more about that uh, partnership and our joint aims uh, later on but you mm-hmm. mentioned leadership principles before and i'm i'm always interested as part of these podcasts to understand what uh, leaders have learned from this experience both individually mm-hmm. uh, so what have you learned from uh, the last 12 months uh, gosh it's coming up to a year which is not a great anniversary to reflect on but it's been 12 months and also what have you learned about the organization and how it uh how it's adapted and become um successful even even during the the current situation yeah great question um i guess what i've learned about leadership is just how important a sense of clarity is for the team and it's so easy as a leader to be really clear in your own mind about what's important, where you want things to go, how you want things to get there. And, and it's almost the, the trap you can fall into is thinking, well, I, I think it, therefore it is. But of course, the classic challenge is to have others share that that vision and that that idea of methodology, if you like. So a big, big focus for me over the last 12 months has been regular communication with the whole team not just the people that report directly into me but with the whole team so I've, I've been doing weekly videos i'm sure the team are sick of the sight of my face i'm sure they turn the camera off when they when they listen to it but um, now joking aside that you know it's really important keep re I've, I've kept re-emphasizing those three principles that i talked about earlier yeah. and, and you know try it, it, it's almost cliched but trying to model the behaviors that we talk about. It's no good talking about stuff if you can't then model that behavior and, and lead by example. Um, the, yeah, the importance of, we have a, an exec team of, of six. Um, yeah, you might call that the senior leadership team. I, we call it the exec team. Just the importance of, again, regular contact. So we, you know, we've moved from monthly to, to weekly meetings and we still meet weekly. And also reflecting on the, on the board up, we, we have two boards because we within our company we have responsibility for British triathlon but also triathlon England so so we have two boards and, and I'm, I'm very blessed that we've got you know fantastic people on on throughout on, on both boards but we we went to to weekly meetings and we did that um, for two to three months that was a huge ask of our volunteers who sit on the board most of whom have really really busy day jobs but they all stood up to, up to that, and that was that was fantastic. We then moved to, to fortnightly board meetings. We've now reverted back to a more normal um, sort of quarterly board meeting schedule. So it's just, I suppose, bring it back to the learnings part of your question. It's about being adaptable, about being flexible, um, and and having having resilience. You know, so so we've just literally last night we had both boards on a call to talk about budget and. You know, the, even the word budget is something that perhaps isn't appropriate right now because you know what what is a budget you know a budget is effectively a plan in numbers isn't it usually for the next 12 months well 
we're not really sure what's going to happen in two weeks time let alone the next 12 months so just just really adapting the way that we that we plan and planning i like to plan and most people like to plan don't they planning is really really difficult isn't it because we just don't know what's coming so it comes back to clarity of purpose at the very highest level some really clear guiding principles clear values on how we behave and then you know tr- trust trust your people um we, we believe as an exec team very much in, in trying to push decision making down as low as, as, as you can into the structure of the organization rather than having this sort of bottleneck at the top of the, of the of the structure that just slows everything down. And yeah, some of the creativity we've seen from the team over the last nine to 12 months has just been absolutely phenomenal. You know, as many organizations have, you know, the emergence of new digital offerings, virtual challenges, uh, it's just been wonderful. Yeah, and, and uh, I was listening to another podcast the other day, and they were talking about how the future will be less planning and more agile, more adaptability, because um, that's the way that we've all managed to cope through these times. And, and actually, you know, in many ways, not having a longer term plan has enabled organisations like yourselves, and to a certain extent, ours, to to not only to continue, but also to reach out to our members and keep doing things that we wanted to do prior to this. So I think there's a lot of learning in there. In terms of you, Andy, I hope you don't mind me asking, but how, how's it been for you and who looks after you? What do you do to make sure that you, 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 because we all sit at home. I guess you're, it you, looks like you're in an office at home at the moment. How do you turn off from work and make sure that you, you know, you're getting the rest and recuperation that you, you mentally need as well? Yeah. No, it, it, it's hard, isn't it? Yeah, as you know, as, as a CEO, it's hard because, you know, we, we can we can preach to our teams about setting parameters and, you know, so for example, you know, start work at nine o'clock and finish work at five o'clock. But if there's something going down and it's six o'clock or seven o'clock, then you deal with it or it's the weekend, you deal with it. So, so it's back to the same principle of agility and flexibility, but having the self-discipline to say, it, it, it's, I think it's easier for those of us who like to exercise because we've got this crutch called exercise. That's certainly how I think of it currently is, you know, I'm, I'm really quite um, determined to, to exercise every single day. Now, sometimes that might be just a, a quick half an hour on a bike or a, you know, a long walk or something. But just to make sure I exercise every day, uh, I try to leave my work devices in in this spare bedroom where I where I work and you know, not take my my work phone down to the dinner table in the evening and check my emails um, before I have my dessert. Um, I don't have dessert every day, by the way. Um, so yeah, just just some some, some tactical things. Um, but you know, I also think it's a privilege to be to be a CEO and to be a leader. Um, and I, I I love it. I absolutely love the job, uh, and I love the responsibility that comes with it. And yeah, hopefully some of those tactical interventions keep me on a on a reasonably even keel. But you also, I think you asked me about what support I have. And, you know, I'm, I, I am extremely fortunate. I've worked with many, many boards over the years, but I, I currently have two fantastic boards and two fantastic chairs. I've, I've got two of everything. I'm quite lucky with my stable <laughs> I've won. Um, but no, my, my, I, I, I always ask my, my chairs and my boards to, to challenge me and support me roughly in, in equal measure. And that's certainly what I get and, and actually the support has outweighed the challenge over the last 12 months because the challenge was self-evident you know we don't need to be challenged um particularly we need you know support and we we get that in bucket loads from our our chairs and our boards 
yeah, and many would think that's double trouble. So it's great that you've got such a supportive pair of boards. Um, and um, one really quick question, uh, which is probably a one-word answer, and I meant to answer ask it this right at the beginning. Okay, so run, swim, cycle. Which one's it going to be? Depends on the time of year. Oh, you can't do that. <laughs> well, okay, t- today it's running. Right, um, okay. <laughs> pretty much will be swimming in the open water. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, so let's let's try and look positive because, you know, there's some great things happening. The, the vaccine's being rolled out really successfully and we seem to be finally getting on top of the cases and the death rate, which is all amazing, fantastic news. Um, so tell me a little bit about the rest of 2021. What does it look like for you, the organisation? And what are you looking forward to, to getting back to doing that uh, has been on hold for, for so long? Yeah, oof, where do I start? I mean, I, I guess thinking about it chronologically, 29th of March is, is huge, being, you know, all being well, the, the, the first step in the roadmap that the Prime Minister announced a couple of weeks ago in England. Um, and, and clearly we hope to see Scotland and Wales following suit very, very quickly, if not at the same time. Um, so, you know, just seeing ordinary folk like you and I being able to do a little bit more of what we want to do in terms of swim, bike, run, but also connecting with other people. So there's that. Um, then, then my mind moves forward to June the 5th and 6th, where we've got the AJ Bell World Triathlon Leeds, where potentially it could it'll either be the first or the second elite race of the of, of the year this year uh, normally the, there would have been other races before then um so a hugely significant event potentially for olympic and paralympic qualification and just to be really clear we have both a an elite triathlon um race men's and women's but we also have elite para triathlon races men's and women's during that weekend so that's really really important so that's that's significant in the context of preparing for Tokyo, but it's also I think massively significant because, and and we're you know we're opening up entries again tomorrow, for that you know again ordinary folk like you and I and our amazing age group athletes can all take part over that weekend, in a in a whole variety of different races and and, and concepts, and it's a real statement I think to say, you know swim bike run is back, uh, yeah it's not it's not until June we hope that many races will happen before then. But it's a real, you know, central point in, in, in the calendar. And then, of course, we fast forward to, to July and August and to, to both games, the Olympics and the Paralympic Games. And, you know, it now seems clear that there won't be international spectators. I think we've expected that for a long time. Um, but we just I just really, really hope that the athletes who've worked so hard for what will have been five years, uh, well, longer, of course, but, you know, five years since the last Games, We'll have the opportunity and the conditions to prepare and, and, and arrive in, in Tokyo and, and do what they do so well. Um, and, and hopefully from a GBR point of view, you know, just have an amazing, two amazing games. And back to your question, you know, about inspiring the nation, you know, inspiring people to to do a bit more swim, bike and running. Great. And, and tell me about Big Reboot. What's all that about? Yeah, it's, I suppose it's a, it's a reflection of that positive mindset I talked about earlier just wanting to say to people you know this is this has been a really tough 12 months um the last 
two months have been particularly tough, you know, during the, the cold, dark nights. And, and we're back. The sport's back. You know, whether, and whether you're wanting to race, whether you're wanting to participate in, in club activity, do more training, you know, the sport is back. It's a shot in the arm for the sport. It's a shot in the arm for everybody that loves the sport. Um, yeah, and just trying to, as I say, reflect that really positive mindset that we've maintained throughout lockdown. And as we move towards sort of the last day, hoping that some of your events will be spectator-led events and you'll actually start to get people back to, to viewing and watching uh, triathlon events. Is that the hurt? Yeah, we... So, so thinking about Leeds on the 5th and 6th of June, yeah, normally we'd get anything up to 100,000 people um, actually in person watching over the, you know, the, the course, which in previous years has been, you know, city centre and uh, round and about the city of Leeds. Uh, this year, the course will be um, contained within Round Hay Park. And we just don't know yet whether or not we'll have spectators. So we're, we're planning for both eventualities. So it's just, it's just too soon to say at the moment. But the event will go ahead you know with or with or without spectators provided that things go the way that we expect them to go um and then yeah we've, we've talked about the olympics but of course television is so important nowadays and and leads will be televised on the bbc uh we hope to have some additional um coverage of the um para racing as well which is going to be so important for us so people will be able to watch it on TV and, and again, just reinforcing that big reboot message that the sport is back, the sport is open. Um, and then, of course, the games, you know, in, in, in Tokyo, we'll be able to watch both games on, on the television. Um, so from that point of view, f- fantastic. Uh, but in terms of, you know, in the UK, on the ground, uh, spectators, yeah, still a bit of uncertainty there. And will you be able to travel to Tokyo with the team? Um not crystal clear yet, but but from a personal perspective, whilst I was planning to go to both games last year in 2020, uh, not planning to go this year. I just don't think it's um, appropriate or feasible. You know, we've like like so many, we've had a really tough time financially uh, as well. We've always got to think about that. But um, no, I, I expect to be um, on my sofa uh, somewhere in this country, uh, cheering on the athletes and and hoping for. Um, yeah, as many amazing performances as possible. Cool. Well, good luck uh, to you and all your competitors. I'm sure um, they'll be trying as hard as they can and, and hopefully bring back uh, some really, uh, really important medals for the nation because I think that would be uh, another opportunity to help uh, the nation sort of build back up and build some pride back into what has been a, a really challenging year. In terms of Andy, I just wanted to the next few minutes about our partnership and, and the way that uh, you potentially see that going. So we, for those that maybe aren't aware, um, do you want to just outline the relationship that we've had, particularly with Shout? Some people may be familiar with the name, but might not necessarily know about the relationship and who's involved and, and potentially a little bit more about what it does. Sure, sure. I guess a good place to start is to recognise, you know, our our predecessors who both had the the vision and the foresight to recognise our shared ambition to to see more people enjoying the joy of open water swimming, but doing so on a very um, safe basis. You know, clearly, you know, safety is 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 something that's clearly important to the RLSS, but it's also very important to, to British triathlon. 
So, you know, we've, we've partnered what for over over five years now as two organisations to try and um, encourage facilities to offer really safe conditions for people to have a go at open water swimming and then to encourage more and more people to take part. And we've been reasonably successful. Um, but what I'm really excited about is the uh, plans that we've been working on together to really um, put a huge injection of, of, of energy and, and commitment into that partnership to really rejuvenate it in the in the context of what was already, I think, a growing demand for open water swimming before COVID came along. But I think that's been accelerated because of COVID. You know, we've seen, I'm, I'm sure you've seen so many images on social media over the last three or four months of people using whatever implement to break the ice on the surface of the of the river or the lock so that they can get in for their cold water dip. Whilst that might not be quite um, what we're advocating in terms of a safe environment, it just shows you that people are now really understanding not just the the sporting or even the physical activity element of open water swimming, but they're recognising that there's now more and more medical evidence that um, exposing yourself to reasonably cold water uh, in that in that beautiful outdoor environment can be so good for your mental well-being as well as your physical well-being and that's something that really excites me yeah 100 percent. and i think from, from our perspective um we touched on this a little bit earlier I, we actually have very similar joint aims and that is to try and encourage as many people to get involved in uh, in this case water-based activity so it's very much linked to swimming from our perspective um, but as you've highlighted, to do that potentially raises some risks and it's about understanding what those risks, mitigating them and being prepared for them. And if you can do that and we can do that collaboratively, actually what that does then is hopefully even reduces the barrier even more for people to go, actually, I want to get involved in this. I want to give it a go, whether it be in a lake, in a river or in the sea, that they do that and they just really enjoy it because you're absolutely right. There are um huge benefits but how do you see that transition from that participation into um getting on a bike and also running and, and building that i guess loosely what you would call a pathway from from having your first dip on to hopefully encourage them to get involved in your organization sure sure i think i think first up is at the risk of stating the obvious is to recognize that not everybody that loves to or might love learn to love to open water to swim not all of them are going to go on and become enthusiastic bike bikers and runners and, and therefore triathletes that isn't you know the, the only objective here the objective you know very genuinely is to introduce more people to the joy of open water swimming which those of us who have discovered it know exactly what i'm talking about um but it's also to to see more open water swimming venues right across the country embracing you know some of the services that you provide at rlss to making sure they provide a really safe environment so that's going to attract more people into it it's going to make the the nation more active therefore it's going to make the nation more more healthy and you know if ever there was a time in our history where we should understand that the importance of a of a healthy lifestyle it's now isn't it so forgive me if i sound a bit too altruistic but it's it's not simply about you know putting cash in the till or triathletes on the start line yeah of course that that stuff's important but it's about the joy of sharing the the joy of open water swimming and seeing more safe venues and one, one of the limiters to our sport interestingly is 
actually finding suitable water courses, open water courses around which you can base a, a triathlon um, event. So again, the more the more um, facility owners, land, um, you know, the, the organizations and agencies that own open water swimming courses, the more they embrace our partnership and, and become certified as safe swimming venues, um, you know, the better for our sport, the more events, the event organizers will have a, a wider range of facilities to go and put events on. There'll be more facilities to go and train at. So yeah, it's, it's just a win-win. And of course, you know, we want to partner with with Swim England, other swimming organizations. We don't want to be exclusive about this at all. Back to that altruistic idea about, you know, just introducing open water swimming safely to as many people as possible. Great. And I think the partnership works really well for us because our our strategy is always about how we can encourage that participation with any organisation. It just happens to be a really strong one with you, but others hopefully will develop further down the line about how we can encourage people to to do all of this activity in a, in a safe way. And I think that's where we definitely complement each other because um, it, it, it just builds on both of our strengths in terms of trying mm -hmm. to trying to get that end goal Absolutely. um what 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 are you really looking forward to over the next you know hopefully few years what are the aspirations for the organization um and and once we've once we've been this uh at covid to a certain extent because i think we were talking earlier about i think it's always going to be with us to a certain extent but hopefully we can learn to live with it how does your organization grow from this point on and to become stronger and and um uh, and more effective sure so fundamentally my belief is it grows through growing the people that that work within it and that's something we've always been very committed to and, and continue to be very committed to um what that looks like is uh more more clubs you know we, we think clubs lie right at the core of any growth strategy. Um, so we're very, very focused. We're trying to up our game in terms of support we give clubs. Um, continuing with major events, recognizing the point you made earlier about the, the link between, if you can see it, whether it's in the flesh or whether it's on the telly, then you believe that you can be it. Yeah, and, and that, that whole in inspiring link. Um, really advancing the cause of paratriathlon um, so that it's something we don't see as being um, exceptional or, or, or different. It's just something that we expect to see when we think about triathlon. We expect to see um, both able-bodied and disabled people taking part in, in the sport. Growth, growth of membership, clearly, and and you know that that's something that we've talked about for many years, and we'll continue to do so. But we really want to to grow our community, grow the connection between people who love to swim, bike, and run, um, and. You know, broadening our reach with with younger people again is another another really big objective for us. We've been doing a lot of work over the last nine months around our offering for for schools and children and young people generally, and we've got some really exciting plans. Um, as we've already talked about, our plans for open water swimming um, really do excite me. So, yeah, you know, I'm really really positive about the future. I think you're right. We we'll, we will need to learn to live with COVID. Um, I hope that the ongoing vaccination program continues to make you know life as we used to know it come back reasonably soon and, and stay back um but yeah from a from a swim bike run point of view so much to be to be looking forward to and, and positive about 
Great, a bright future, hopefully for all of us. I, I do ask one final question uh, when I do these podcasts, and um, it's just to ask you, what is the best thing about being Chief Exec of British Tri? That's a really difficult question. It's a bit like run, bike or swim, which is your favourite, which is like choosing out of <laughs> which is your favourite child, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's the best thing? Um, my my favourite thing is definitely seeing the team, somebody in the team, growing and developing in their role, and and getting outside of their comfort zone, and 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 doing something that's a little bit new, a little bit different, a little bit challenging, perhaps, and actually whether it's successful or not isn't isn't necessarily the the enjoyable bit for me it's just watching that process of that and I've, I've seen so much of this over the last six months of, of team members adopting this positive mindset that I've talked so much about and saying yeah okay that's how we used to do this thing this is how we could do it in the future um so that, that would be the favorite part of the job for me Robert great and great way to finish and and hopefully I think I can't remember if it's last year I mean maybe in 2019 I was invited uh, to meet you and to come to one of your events and unfortunately I couldn't make it and I've been waiting now for another 12 months before I can finally uh, maybe come <laughs> up and visit you and, um, and, and and attend one of your events so um, when that opportunity comes Andy I'm very looking very much looking forward to, to, to joining you and keeping in touch and um, Hopefully one day we can talk about this in a in a you know with in a more light-hearted way because it's been a massive challenge for us all and um, people like you and other people that I've talked to on these podcasts have been a real inspiration because no matter how hard and how tough it's been, we've always managed to 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 get through it, come out on top, and and um, reflect on the future in a, such a positive way. So thank you very much for joining me. I hope you've enjoyed the chat. I've thoroughly enjoyed it, and um, just to put the date in your diary. 5th and 6th of June in Leeds, bring your wetsuit and you and I can you and I can take part in the open water swim and may the best man win. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't swim. I normally lie on a surfboard and paddle. That's completely different. <laughs> I could do that as well. <laughs> I might have to bring some buoyancy aids. Never mind. But yeah, if um, if I'm allowed to visit, fingers crossed. Uh, who knows what the government's going to do by June, but fingers crossed. Yeah, I'd love to come. No, love so to thank there. you again. Um, and thank you to everyone listening. I hope you really enjoyed uh, my chat with Andy. And remember that all our podcasts are available on our podcast channel. And that's uh, and they're available through Apple, Spotify and Google. Uh, if you're not already, uh, check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And uh, in next week, uh, I'm chatting to... Um, Bobby White. Now, Bobby White's the chief exec of Royal Life Saving uh, in Canada. So our equivalent, our partner, our uh, member of the Commonwealth family in Canada. And I'm going to get a really interesting reflection on how his organisation and the country has has managed COVID uh, and try and compare and contrast that with what we've been doing in the UK. So really fascinating uh, conversation next week as well. So thank you again, Andy. Take care, everyone, and uh, keep safe.